back in England, I've scored uh, sort of 10 plus every season, and out here I've only got two this season, so it's a bit of pressure. I thought I left my uh, shooting boots on the plane, but um, yeah, it was a nice feeling to finally get another goal. Um, you know, I should have had a few more this season, but you know, that was, that was probably one of the better ones I've scored. That was Orange County Soccer Club's Harry Forrester after the match this past weekend that saw Orange County uh, get back on their winning ways against Oklahoma City. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. So one to Godoy. He's found a great ball in a in plenty of time. He smashes it home and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas in a Now Segbris sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there, crosses it. Pineda, the extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and burying aside. All taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! And it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County of the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how's it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast presented by roughneck scarves we are the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters i'm your host ray samora and i am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club, and uh, joining me as he does each and every episode. Happy to be back on a Tuesday. I got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how are you doing? Maybe I'm not happy to be back on a Tuesday, Ray. How do you know that? I, I know, I know. I just know things. Yeah, you are right. I don't know. I'm I'm thrilled to be on. I'm thrilled that's podcast time. Um, just hanging out with my gnomes. I'm ready to talk soccer for about an hour. And I'm definitely ready to do so. But before we do that, we also got to introduce our other host here. Uh, you guys, we're all equal hosts here. We're not, it's not, you know, the master host and the uh, secondary host. We're all awesome hosts here. Uh, all the way live and direct back from his local uh, couch or his normal couch with a uh, awesome off-white background, I guess. I, I don't know what color your walls are. Uh, from San Diego, we got Alan. Alan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about the the game this past weekend, and uh, excited to talk about what the next week's going to uh, bring for Orange County. So, uh, yeah, we're all excited to talk about soccer. We're all excited to talk about Orange County. So we're going to get right into it because we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about the previous match. We're going to talk about the next two matches on the schedule because between now and the next time you hear from us, Orange County is going to be playing two games on the road uh, in what is heading down to the final uh, run of the season. I think three matches left in the season, two on the road, one at home. So definitely a lot to talk about here. So let's get right into it. Let's uh, first start uh, off with the game this past weekend as Orange County returned home after a disappointing uh, performance in Texas. They returned home to Championship Soccer Stadium and have what's probably one of their most dominant matches of the season as they win against Oklahoma City Energy FC 2-0. Dylan, uh, at the stadium, how were how were things going? What was the energy like? And just what was your impressions of this match? I think things went pretty well. Um, I think the energy level is pretty high. I think it was just under 3,500 people at the stadium. Um, so it looks like the numbers are kind of climbing back up there. Team's been exciting. People are rallying behind them at the end of the year. Um, beyond that, uh, Oklahoma never had any sort of chance um on, on, on at the goal they took no shots the entire game um frederick do did not register any anything he he had nothing to do so that was a that was a really good start for us um leonardo had a really good game he hasn't played in well, a couple months now um and and he came in and he did a good job uh no no major issues there um and then of course our, our attack was on it um Harry Forster scored an amazing, amazing goal. Um, and then Joe Amico 
uh, picked up the second, his first of his professional career after 56 appearances for the club. So that was a wonderful time. Um, I told you before, but uh, I almost cried when he scored that. And every time I've rewatched it since, I almost cry. So uh, I'm seriously just so happy uh, for the team to get back to winning ways, but you know, especially for Joe. Oh, and also with Leonardo's yellow card in the 74th minute of this match, Orange County officially has 69 yellow cards on the season. Just a random stat to throw out there, right, Dylan? Yes. <laughs> Along Alan. with since uh, Frederick Dew recorded zero saves this past weekend, he has 69 saves on the season. <laughs> um, Alan, uh, a second set of eyes that was at the stadium watching this match. Uh, do you have a similar idea or thought uh, that Dylan shared, or what did you see maybe differently from Dylan, or was it all the same? Um, I thought for the most part they looked pretty sharp. There was a couple of miscommunication in the back, like, uh, late in the game, Frederick Dew had to like sprint to the halfway line. Like maybe he was inspired by Joe Miko getting forward and looking like a striker. Maybe he felt like he wanted to get in on the game since he wasn't really doing a whole lot uh, in the back. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty different team that showed up this week versus last week. Um, they looked like they played a lot better. I uh, looked a lot more confident going forward. Um, while Seton and DJ did not get on the score sheet. Uh, there were a couple of chances for both of them that just um, a header from Seton that was saved, um, a couple of shots from DJ that were just wide. Um, but yeah, that Forrester goal, I, I pulled it up on ESPN Plus in the press box while I was following the game just to watch that goal a few times. So I saw it the first time. I was like, I don't know how he did what he did because um, it looked like the defense had him pinned in, takes two touches around. And then when he shot it, it looked kind of awkward from my angle. And then I was like, is he trying to cross? Is he going to the back post? And then, no, he was curling it around and in. Like, both goals were uh, great. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that the team felt very positive after the win. Uh, they had a tough time in RGV, uh, but they looked just as good as they looked in that six-game win, uh, six win streak. And which just gives us more confidence moving forward against a couple tough te- couple tough teams. But I was pretty impressed with uh, the way they played. It was good to see Kevin Alston back out there as well. Um, yeah, it was. It felt really good. I walked away from Championship Soccer Stadium like kind of like floating a little bit. I was I was I was pretty happy. And so I know like. Harry Forrester's joking there on that uh, short clip we played at the beginning of the episode uh, about his soccer boots maybe being left on the plane or whatnot. Uh, but who knows? Maybe he, the club reached out to what the Royal Post. I don't know if that's – I think that's what they call it in England and had his correct soccer boots shipped out to California. Uh, yeah, it was a beautiful goal. You don't see that too often this season from him. But I remember when uh, Dylan uh, – when we – first announced the signing on our podcast or talked about on our podcast. uh, And we are talking with, uh, I I forget the gentleman's name, but he was uh, from, was it uh, AFC Wimbledon, right? Uh, A a podcast that covers that team. We were playing some highlights of Harry Forrester and some of those goals you saw on those highlight reels is what we saw in this match this weekend. Just a very beautiful, beautiful uh, goal. And what about the celebration? I, I don't know if either of you were there in section nine with Caroline coalition, but I, I thought it was pretty cool that he went right up to the, the supporters group uh, to basically celebrate right in front of them. Uh, unfortunately, we don't see that as often as I would love to see from the players when we score goals at home. But I, I thought that was a pretty uh, nice gesture by him. I, I, I I'm pretty certain he was purposely heading in that direction to celebrate right there. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, Dylan? Um, yeah, I was, I was, in the county line collision, uh, I think for the entire match and just, yeah, I don't think anyone's come over after they've scored this season. Um, and, and that he came over and, you know, like an, an English player, um, you know, not one of the guys that's been around for a bit. Um, not one of the guys that's had a bunch of success scoring goals. Um, and, and he comes over and, and celebrates in front of us and, you know, Blaine jumps down and starts banging on the advertising board, uh, in front of the section and, then the camera angle cuts away really quickly on ESPN. Um, but it was, it was really great. Um, so now we've got a chant for him. It was just one of those games where, uh, you know, he really didn't put a foot wrong uh, anywhere. And that's the, the kind of beauty that we've expected, right? We've been waiting for, and, and here it is. And maybe this is the scoring. 
and maybe this is the benefit of Coach Brayden Cloutier sticking with him the full season, knowing that this is the type of performance you can get out of him. Uh, the fact that you stick with him all season, although he didn't have the greatest start to his career here in Orange County, you stick with him, you stick with him, you stick with him. And now he's hitting his stride at the right time uh, of any part of the season. This is the time you want your players hitting their stride. And he's definitely one of those players over, we talked about it recently over the last couple months, he's really figuring out what he's doing out there. Um, Alan, what were your thoughts on that celebration? Were you surprised to see him uh, purposefully look for the supporters group to celebrate with him? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a surprise. Uh, four days had seemed to me like just kind of aware of everything that was going on um, and kind of understood how the the game works and how the fan, fan interaction works. Um, he was willing to chat with me if he's had a good game. Um, especially when we were down to nine men, I think against RGV last time um, he was, you know, playing really, really well, getting in a bunch of sh block shots, um, possibly could have gotten yellow cards in that game and didn't. Um, he just strikes me as someone who kind of understands those things um, and is willing to uh, engage in those, the fan interactions in um, just kind of a, a way that strikes me that he's doing it because he knows it's what, what not just like going through the motions, but he really seems like he understands that that's what's important. Obviously he's kind of had a frustrating season, so it makes sense that he's kind of played with this kind of frustrated edge too. Uh, but you, I just saw that weight lift off of him when I was asking him about it. And he just looked like just a big sigh of relief. And he, he smiled right before he started talking and he's like, yeah, it's just a bit of relief. And I think if he can get dialed in, Aiden Quinn look really, really good. Um, DJ and Seton are always dangerous. Uh, Wolfgang uh, starting to insert himself in in the run of play. Everyone just seems to be clicking in a way that feels great. And it just shows when someone like Harry Forrester can get on the score sheet. Yeah, and uh, as you guys are both talking there, we do have the highlights courtesy of USL Championship Productions on our live stream. So for those of you that uh, are listening on our podcast, check us out on Tuesdays. Uh, every Tuesday, 8.30 p.m. Pacific time, we go live on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. So you can watch us also on Twitter. Uh, so that was on there. And you could see, just like Dylan was saying, uh, on that celebration, just before the camera cuts off, uh, Counterline Coalition founder in jumping down onto the uh, – sidelines of the pitch there and uh, banging on the, the scoreboard or the, the ads right there. Uh, I don't think I've seen that out of him that much passion out of him all season uh, like that. I know he's always out there uh, giving his all out in their fans, but I've never seen him like jump down like that and just start pounding and being excited about that. I don't know if that has to do with it's Harry Forrester that got the goal and Harry Forrester comes and celebrates with the team. Uh, and that took Blaine to a whole nother level. I don't know if either of you uh, spoke with Blaine about what was going on in his head when that happened, uh, uh, Dylan, if you didn't, you can sort of maybe just sort of uh, take us through that. What do you think was going on there? Um, I think it was a really nice birthday gift from Orange County to Blaine, um, arguably probably the biggest fan uh, to get a nice victory for him the day before his birthday. That's, By the that's way, happy my guess. Birth happy birthday, Blaine. Happy, happy belated birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so um I just imagine it was that and a player actually coming over. That's the that's the sort of thing I watched it happen. Um this my second ever Orange County game. Uh Orange County went through into the playoffs in eighth place um on goal difference, taking down the number one team in Colorado back in twenty sixteen and Blaine back in the days at UCI, um, like vaulted himself down onto the track to celebrate with the players, and that was the first time that they'd ever come over and celebrated with the fans. So, you know, it, it's one of those things. They come over and you you, you get in there and you get your touches in, your smiles, and you're banging on stuff. Why not, right? Definitely. Uh, we got we to move on and talk about the other goal of the night. Uh, Dylan, you mentioned it when you were spoken. The, the first professional goal for Mr. Joe Amico, uh, who I know is another one of those players on this, this roster – that is a fan favorite. Uh, my wife has spoken to me. That's probably her favorite player on the team uh, because he's been one of those players that tries to show as much love as he can to the fans when he gets the opportunity to. Uh, and uh, I know he's one of the ones that is throughout the season uh, come and, you know, acknowledge the fans at the end of matches or whatnot. Uh, Alan, I'll go to you first on this. Uh, 
what are your thoughts? I mean, what do you have to say about this Joe Miko goal? Uh, is uh, I, I was surprised when I saw he's the one that scored one of the goals on the evening. What were your thoughts? Yeah, the way he made that run from the wing, like I, you could have put him on the front in the front three. Uh, it was just a really smart run into space. Um, Mike puts a ball in. It takes a slight deflection. Otherwise, he would have gotten an assist on it. And Amico doesn't panic. He's very calm. He collects the ball. And he just kind of slots it into the right side like it was no big deal. Like he's been doing this his entire career. Uh, it was very impressive. Again, the same thing. I watched that back a few times. Just amazed at just kind of that soccer sense to get into the box. Know that you have that space to run into not panic and just calmly put the ball into the back of the net. Um, and then just to the, see the look of his teammates faces celebrating with him. Uh, you can tell that he, he not only is a fan favorite, but is well liked and respected on the team as well. Uh, just giant smile. Everyone was super happy for him. Uh, those are the goals that it make you make you feel good as, as just a soccer fan in general, to see someone that excited and that happy first career goal. Um, Richard Chaplo on his way out was uh, hoping wouldn't interview him. So hoping maybe wouldn't go to his head. Uh, but again, you see a guy who's been working really hard all season uh, to to finally get one in, and especially a strike like that was um, it was so much fun to watch. And did you did you get a chance to speak with him after the match, Alan? I didn't, but Dylan had a chance. I, to I stole Joe from him. <laughs> well, then I'm going to go to you, Dylan. Uh, you, can you share with us uh, what uh, Joe Miko had to sh- uh, had to say after the match about that goal? Yeah, um, I don't think Chaplow has to worry about uh, it going to his head or anything. Um, I mean, we, we know we know the kind of player that Joe is. Um, he's super humble, super super down to earth, um, just constantly um, really thankful for everyone around him. Uh, and he was no different after scoring that goal. Um, he just mentioned it, it was really nice to score it. Um, and that more than that, he was just so happy that the team uh, got the win, um, got to clinch, and that they're they're trending in the right direction again um, without, without too much trouble to try and take some pressure off before the, the last three games of the season. Um, so, you know, he, he had his moment. He enjoyed it, but he was definitely focused on the future uh, in the next few weeks, which was remarkably respectable in a way. Um, I'd be freaking out for sure still. Uh, I'd be shaking and bouncing off the walls, and he was really calm and collected and just said it was nice, but, you know, the bigger thing was the was the team. Um, this is why people love him, you know? <laughs> and then... um I guess we briefly could say uh, Frederick too had probably his easiest night between the sticks uh, there as a professional goalie. Uh, I believe the stats are zero shots on goal or was it zero shots total by OKC? Zero shots total, like no registered shots at all. So ultimately what we're saying is we could have stuck Allen in between the goalpost and the outcome would have still been exactly the same. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, I think the only stat that he registered were uh, a few passes and a couple of clearances. There were no catches, no punches, none of that. He had truly nothing to do. He could have, he could have, he could have, you know, brought out a lawn chair, sat down, cracked open a cerveza, and just chilled while this game's going on. Is what it, you know, comes down to probably. And still, uh, Orange County wins two 0 which is that, that that's an amazing feat there. I, I know that says a little bit about OKC as a team this season, especially in this match. But it also probably shows how um, serious and committed Orange County was coming into this match, wanting to just come out, play their match, uh, put the pressure on, and make sure they got this victory uh, against a team that definitely should be getting the victory again. So that's pretty awesome. Um, uh, For time purposes, uh, we should start moving on. But I want to ask, do either of you have anything else you want to mention regarding what you guys saw out there in this match? I'm good. No, I think it was just a, a solid all-around team performance and exactly the kind of thing that you look for at this point in the season. Perfect. Man of the match, uh, Alan. Um, I'm going to have to say Harry Forrester. Dylan. 
brain says, sorry, my heart says Joe Amico. My brain says uh, some combination of Aiden Quinn and Harry Forrester just based on the stats. Um, probably Forrester nabs it out in this one because he, he gets that amazing goal, which passes the eye test. But Aiden notched 109 passes with 90.8% accuracy. So he was uh, probably the unsung hero of this game. And I'll have to go with Harry Forrester just, again, because of the amazing goal um, and uh, celebration that was tied into the goal. I know the celebration really has nothing to do with how well you're playing on the field, but I think that celebration brought more energy to uh, Countline Coalition and just the fans in the stadium because it was pretty pretty darn amazing there. So let's move ahead. The next uh, challenge for Orange County is on the road. Uh, if you're listening or watching us live, this is a match that's taking place a little under 24 hours from now. Um, or about what, 22 hours, 21 hours from now. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, the day we release it, then it's later on this, this evening. Uh, but Orange County is heading on or heading out to Salt Lake City to face a Real Monarchs uh, SLC. Um, definitely not a, a you know guaranteed victory on the road, but I think Orange County can still come out victorious on this. Uh, if they come out with the same type of intensity they showed against Oklahoma City. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Dylan. What are your thoughts heading into this match uh, in in um, Salt Lake City? Uh, this isn't going to be an easy one. Um, I think uh, Leonardo is going to have to have a really strong game again. Um, whether or not uh, Joe Miko or Kevin Alston, whoever starts, they're going to have to have a really strong game. Um, Walker and, and Contour, the, the back five, really. They're going to have to have a really strong game. Um, the Monarchs score a lot. They've scored 62 times this season. Um, that's over twice a game for the number of games they've played. Um, but they also concede a lot. So I, I because it's cold, uh, it's going to be windy. It might be raining um, and they're playing at a bit of altitude. I don't want to say that they should just go for it and just try and score five goals and have one of those like eight, nine goal thrillers. Um, try and beat a team into submission, I think it's going to have to be a really uh, resolute defense performance and that they can they can work forward um, and, and try and nab a goal or two. But, well, and, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, no. Finish, finish what you're saying, Dylan. I just, I, I think this is, um, this is probably the biggest game of the season. Um, the Monarchs have a little bit of rest. They didn't play over the weekend. Uh, there was they were due to play the bold, um, but they're a up and down team. Um, they don't blow a lot of teams out generally. I, don't, I wouldn't expect them to do that here, but they are a quality side, a good mix of experienced players um, and academy players, and just generally really talented players. Uh, so it's it's gonna be an interesting one. Um, I almost feel like this will end up being a draw. So. Really quick before I get to you, Alan, let's just talk about the the, the standings right now for the USL uh, Championship Western Conference. You currently have Sacramento sitting at fourth with 48 points. Um, Orange County in fifth at 48 points, but they do have a game in hand, which is very valuable at this point of the season. Uh, sort of control your destiny at this point with that. Uh, Real Monarchs in sixth with 46 points. Austin Bold in seventh with 46 points. And El, pa El Paso Locomotive in <laughs> 46 points that shows you how close everything is right now here in the Western conference. Again, luckily orange County at this point uh, holds the cards uh, as they pretty much, if they can come away with a victory in this match, they jump up to fourth place uh, three points ahead of Sacramento. And then if they can just get some sort of result against Sacramento and then maybe a home victory in Fresno, I am almost certain they finish uh, in fourth place there, unless something crazy goes on with, uh, with, um, maybe a real monarch or something, but even with that situation, it goes like that. So uh, just really close there in the Western conference. So a result is important on this. Three points would be amazing. A result is the ultimate, I guess, goal coming into this match, a tough midweek match. Uh, Alan, what are your thoughts of this match? And do you agree that any kind of result is, is a good thing to get here? Three is just sort of uh, icing on the cake. Well, you know how I feel about road and versus home records, but uh, Real Monarchs in the that last season, this season have only dropped or only lost five games uh, between last season and this season. 
So going to Real uh, Monarchs is going to be a tough, uh, tough game. Uh, we did um, back in August. We did get a result three one. Um, so I mean, I know that Orange County can do some damage against uh, Real, but at in, in Utah uh, with you know our kind of which road to show up. Uh, if the one again that showed up in Portland shows up, I think we uh, we have a good shot at uh, getting one and a pretty good shot at getting three. But if they show up like they did at RGV, um, I I don't think we get a result. Um, but we took them in that hot streak. That part of that six game win streak it was the second game in that six game win streak. So like I said, I I think they have the confidence going in, and if they play with the kind of confidence they had and with the, you know, stout back line. Uh, I think we got to have a good shot, a really good shot of getting at least one and a pretty good shot of uh, giving Real their third loss at home this year. And the big hope for Orange County fans is that Orange County, because this is a more quality opponent than say RGV or some of these other just weird uh, road losses that, that have happened. This is a more quality opponent. So you're, the, the hope is that Orange County sees this as potentially a playoff opponent. So you need to go out there and, and take this match very seriously. Again, come away with a result, hopefully get three points, but at least uh, leave uh, Salt Lake city with one point on this uh, and then look forward to the next match. Uh, Dylan, I, I know in the, the comments here in our chat for the, for our video thing here, you did mention a loss is death. Um, is that true? I mean, if we lose, is it uh, is it that bad? Well, we we will stay on forty eight points. Um, the Monarchs will jump up to forty nine, and then they still have three games to play after Wednesday, uh, and then Sacramento is two more, and they'd be on forty eight. So, yeah, I think in terms of trying to get into that last fourth place spot, I mean, of course we've clinched, and, and that's fine, but um, I think. It's it's death to getting that fourth place spot if we drop all three points tomorrow. That being said, we won three one in the reverse fixture. Um, the Monarchs play. You know they don't sit back and try and frustrate teams. They actually go at them and, and try and attack them. And we generally seem to do pretty well against teams that do that. So you know we we have every chance to get a result. Um, and it's really up to the players to, like we've said, to show up and play that way. Perfect. Um, let's get into this. Let's get into the uh, predictions for this match. Uh, unless one of you has anything else you want to say heading into this match against uh, Real Monarchs. Perfect. Let's get into the predictions then. Uh, so predict the score, predict the key to the match. I'm going to start with you, Alan. Um, I'm going to go a two to one victory. Um, I think this is going to be, again, a really tough matchup. Next three weeks are essentially three playoff games before the playoffs. Uh, I think the team's going to be motivated to try and lock down that fourth spot. I think this game is the bigger game between us, uh, this one in Sacramento. Um, so I think we kind of go f- go for it this match and try to pick up all three. And I think Aiden coming back after a week off um, was a big deal. And I think that uh, he's going to be the key to both unlocking the team on offense, but also uh, playing back and helping on defense as well. Dylan, what about you? What is uh, your prediction in the uh, key player to the match? Um, I think it's another 3-1 victory for Orange County. Uh, I think, you know, I, I don't know if Frederick Dew would really concede two goals in a situation in which his defense doesn't fall apart in front of him. But I think this is, this is a game where Aiden Quinn and Christian Duke and that partnership in the center of the midfield is crucial. Um, You know, obviously um, Duke does a lot of the dirty work, picks up a lot of the balls, a lot of the tackling, a lot of the, uh, the side to side running, uh, cutting off attacks, and then just lays off the ball to to Quinn um, to really spearhead the attack and, and get that going. Um, if it's a similar performance to how they played against um, Oklahoma City, how they played against uh, the Monarchs a few months ago, then I think we'll be okay. And I, I think that's going to be the biggest 
uh, test for the side. I think that's why Duke came off 30 minutes early um, was to get a little bit of rest in him because he's he's got a very important role in the next two games. Perfect. And I'm going to go one nail Orange County for this match uh, and key player. I'm going to actually cheat and do a key group of players. It's going to be the defense. Uh, we get the shutout here in uh, Salt Lake City uh, against Real Monarchs. Then we're going to come out victorious on this uh, and bring the full three points back to Orange County. Uh, and I don't know. I don't really even know. Are they coming back to Orange County or are they just going to head straight to the northern part of California because their next opponent will be this coming weekend as Orange County travels up to Sacramento. So let's talk about that match now. Uh, again, we just talked about, I, I read out the standings that we have right now. Sacramento is currently ahead of Orange County based on, um, I believe it's goal differential is the tiebreaker that puts them where they are. But Orange County does have the game in hand. So ultimately, Orange County is in control of their fate when it comes to uh, the standings. If Orange County can win out, they are the fourth place team um, as far as I can tell. I, I guess Real Monarchs sort of controls it because they have a game in hand on Orange County. And they're only two points down. So I guess, but if Orange County, I guess, beats Real Monarchs, then that eliminates that factor. Um, I know I just said a whole bunch just to say something so simple there. I'm going to go to you, Alan. Uh, Sacramento uh, hosting Orange County. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, Sacramento is another tough team to play. Um, since they sign Ina Voltson, uh, they've kind of come on and, and done some defensive. Um, they do have a game and, and a win in hand. Um, and I think if you ask anybody, having the points on the board is kind of bigger than the game in hand. Uh, they've been kind of uh, up and down the last couple of weeks. Uh, they beat RGV, uh, drew OKC nil-nil, lost to El Paso at home, uh, drew Los Dos, and they beat uh, Tulsa on uh, on the road. So, I mean, they haven't been in the greatest form lately. Um, so they are, they are beatable. Um, and I think... Uh, depending on how the game goes against Real Monarchs, obviously or OC wins wins out, they get that four spot. Um, but Sacramento has to play us and then has to play Real Monarchs to finish their season. So it's kind of this like round robin of this four, five, six, all kind of playing each other. And it's going to be a tough pick up a, a road win. Uh, but I think Sacramento is going to be the more likely to do that uh, versus Real Monarchs. So you go heavy the first game, and then um, you, you know, maybe you are happy with a point in Sacramento, depending on how well it goes in Utah. Uh, but I think, I think if you come out against Sacramento, I think it's a team that Orange County can beat, uh, especially again if they can continue this hot run. Perfect. What about uh, you, Dylan? What are your thoughts uh, with Sacramento? Uh, is this a winnable match for Orange County? I think it is a winnable match. Um, coming after playing in altitude uh, in short rest, I, I've been I've been thinking about this all day. Really, do you go for the draw? Or do you just try and pick a point and, and make uh, the Monarchs panic because they've got some games in hand? Do you make Sacramento panic because they have only got one game left after we play them on Saturday? Um, or do you just you go out for them? They struggled against Oklahoma, and Oklahoma just sat back and didn't let them get any real quality uh, chances in the box, forced Enabolson to try a lot of stuff from distance, um, forced everyone else to try and find a lot of stuff from distance. Um, it'll be a good test for our defense, I think, to, to shut down Enabolson. Uh, they obviously never had to do it before. Um, and this is probably not the time that you want the first opportunity for that to be happening but there's a good chance that we play sacramento in the playoffs and they'll need that experience going in so um yeah i think it's it's feasible i, I don't see orange county losing this match um i i don't think sacramento's had that for them the last few weeks i know we've typically struggled in sacramento to succeed but we haven't played there in almost a year and a half now um and our, our, our team's gotten a lot better in the last two years. So 
it comes down to how how hard the defense wants to work and and how little of an impact Thomas Andy Wilson has because no one else is as big of a threat as him. Perfect. Um, what uh, is there anything about Sacramento that scares you, Alan, in the, in this match? I, I I don't. I'm not assuming that you know Sacramento very well, but I'm just wondering from what you've seen, is there anything that really scares you that potentially leads to an Orange County uh, loss? Um, I don't think there's anything that scares me. Uh, they're just a quality side that, you know, just plays well. I mean, they're a tough team. They're a tough team to play, a tough team to beat. Um, I don't know if it's scared more than just it's going to be a professional match and Orange County just needs to make sure they, you know, they're playing Wednesday night. They're coming back Saturday. It's going to make sure we don't, you know, check out at all during this match. I think Sacramento can punish a team that kind of sleeps. Uh, looking back at the El Paso game, for example, they had 19 shots. Um, so it's going to be, um, it's going to be a tough one. Um, I, I do think it's going to be a kind of a professional game. It's going to be two teams that are, again, depending on how that Real Monarchs game go, uh, if we end up pulling out three points, I think Sacramento realizes that they got to beat, they got to win at home. Uh, so maybe Orange County um, plays for a draw and tries to sneak a win. But I think, again, when Orange County plays more aggressively, I think they are more successful when they're on the ball more. They're more successful. So I kind of hope they take the game to them. It just kind of depends on where the legs are uh, going into that game. Sacramento doesn't, yeah, Sacramento doesn't scare me. But again, you you can't you can't sleep on them either. And then um, Dylan, just want to ask you this really quick: uh, Can Orange County fans expect a heavy rotation of the squad between these two matches, or is it going to be maybe just like a Kevin Alston? Uh, out on one of the matches and maybe just one or two players here and there. What are your thoughts? Um, Michael Orozco will be available for Saturday's match. He'll be finished with his suspension. I imagine he gets right back into the side. Um, I think Austin probably plays 45 minutes of both matches. Amico, you know, 45 to an hour and Amico plays the rest um, in the right back spot. And from there, just depending on, on Wednesday's match, you know, if we've got things in control, we might see Duke come off early again for, for uh, Chris Ostomo. If things are going well in Sacramento, we might see the, the same situation. Um, I don't think it's going to be a big rotation, not at this point in the season. You know, the starting 11 really can't change based on the last almost, uh, what, eight matches now. Um, you know, you, you really go back to like 10 or 12 uh, and you discount two flukes against RGV and Tacoma. And these the guys that have been starting deserve to be starting uh, and they should be starting and they'll be fit enough at this point in the season training's probably tapering off a little bit um there's not that much fitness uh that they can physiologically gain at this point so you know it's just managing making sure guys stay fit um and and can play a, a full performance perfect and let's uh, and a, oh, go alan yeah and a slightly more like positive note is you know looking back like what are the key victories for Sacramento at home and there really isn't one that sticks out besides maybe Portland earlier in the season um, so Sacramento is a team that takes care of teams that they should take care of and tends to kind of play evenly against the top of the top of the table so I, I, I there is a, a good chance that we put a good game up Um it just, yeah, it just boils down to how well that back line holds up. And again, Michael Roscoe coming in from being kind of fresh two weeks, I do think that gives us a boost. So I'm assuming we're you're going to ask what our score predictions are. Yeah, that's that's where I was heading next. I was going to get into yeah. our our score predictions and uh, man of the match. If we want to do that, uh, let's go to you, Alan. I think I'm going to do a uh, a one nil victory, um, and I think uh, Michael Seaton uh, takes it to him. Dylan. Um, I'm going to go with a, yeah, no, I gotta, I gotta say a one nil victory for Orange County, but I think it's Christian Duke that makes the difference for the side. I, I don't think he scores, but I think he's the one that causes a lot of problems for the, uh, the Sacramento attack. 
Perfect. And I'm going to go two nil Orange County, and I'm going to put it. Uh, the important player for Orange County is going to be Frederick Dew, uh, coming up big, making some stops against uh, former Orange County SC player Thomas Innovoldson. Uh Yeah. So perfect. Um, let's talk about this really quick because this uh, match against Sacramento is actually uh, going to have some, uh, or is going to play a factor in the Copa Califas. Uh, which we haven't talked about recently because there hasn't been any in interstate matches here. Uh, currently, from what I can tell, and I think the Copa Califas website hasn't quite updated their their standings yet. I believe right now LA Galaxy is in first place in that they've played five matches uh, and have eight points. Fresno's in second with four matches played and seven points. Sacramento has five matches played at five points. Um, and Orange County has four matches played, and they're at three points. So from what I can see or what I can tell, if, if I'm correct and goal differential is the tiebreaker, Orange County still has a slim chance of winning the Copa Califas. A lot of things have to happen uh, and go right their way. Uh, one of those things is LA Galaxy will have to draw their match against Fresno this weekend. And, of course, Orange County will have to beat Sacramento this weekend. If that happens, uh, Galaxy will finish with nine points on the season. Orange County will be at six. Fresno will be at seven or no, eight. And then Sacramento would still be at five. And then it heads down to that final weekend of play where Orange County and Fresno play. If Orange County can win, they will end up with nine points tied on points with uh, LA Galaxy. But you would hope at that point, the goal differential will favor Orange County because right now they both are at a negative one goal differential. Uh, so if that all plays out, if Orange County can win these next two games and get some help, basically they just need LA Galaxy to draw their next match. Uh, uh, then, yeah, they, they have a shot, apparently. So that would be pretty neat if if all this happens and coming down to the final two weeks of the, the season, I think when we had, I can't remember the, uh, the gentleman we had on that came on to talk about Copa Califas. But he even mentioned it's going to come down to the last few weeks of the season to find out who's going to win this, and it very well uh, can happen. What are your thoughts, gentlemen? Can Orange County pull this off somehow, some way? I'll start with you, Alan. Um, I think that if they want that first home playoff game in fourth place, I think they happen to also coincide with winning that cup. Um, I think if we don't, I think we go all in for it. I mean, it's, it's silverware, right? Like just go all out against Fresno. Uh, Fresno's been uh, kind of rough lately. Like we talked about at last show, what's going on with the team in general. And you you hope that doesn't influence the play on the field, but it just might. Um, it's pretty much, they're pretty much locked in as long as they finish well. Uh, Reno, Fresno, Phoenix for the top three. Uh, so I don't know if they're necessarily in danger of that dropping out of home playoff. I doubt that they can. Uh, so that last matchup might be uh, one where Fresno kind of rotates some guys out and Orange County might need that win uh, to, to get in the fourth. Uh, so they play their starting, uh, their, their, um, their starting 11, their full 11, and uh, that might be what the difference is, is where they are in the standings. Uh, Orange County fighting for fourth and Fresno kind of saying, let's rotate some guys. Dylan, uh, Dylan what about your thoughts? Is this... Uh something that you could potentially see happening and working in Orange County's favor? And if so, uh, would that be exciting? Uh, or are you more focused on uh, the playoffs and the USL Cup? I'm not going to lie. I'm more focused on the playoffs and um, the cup, the chance for a cup. But it's it's nice to have bragging rights over the other teams in California, especially now that Sacramento looks like they're going up to MLS. I mean, you can't talk trash to Los Dos fans because they don't exist. Um, <laughs> but it'll be nice to get some sort of bragging rights in before San Diego rolls up next year and adds a whole other dimension to this, this craziness. That's the uh, Copa Califas. But um, it's funny you mentioned this, the Copa Cannabis, the teams uh, that play in states that have um, legalized recreational marijuana use. Um, we're in second place in that. So that's that's cool. Uh, Reno clinched that one. They're on 30 points in 15 games played, but uh, we've got um, six points available to us left in this one. And uh, Fresno is just one point behind us. So, you know, 
all these in all honesty, in all honesty I had no idea that that cup even existed. So. Yeah, and all these supporter-driven cups. Um, <laughs> there's so much to play for still. I, I love it. It's just another like fun dimension that some tweets will probably end up existing because of. Um, I think none of these teams are focusing on getting bragging rights, but you know, it gives us fans something to do, right? Like, well, some of us that like to go on Twitter and trash talk other teams' fans. I, who I'm not naming about? names. I have no idea who you're talking about, man. Uh, maybe that's Alan. Uh, so let's do this uh, percentage-wise. Just give me a percentage. Um, what is the percentage you give uh, uh, the the possibility of Orange County winning the Copa Califas, Alan? Uh, 37%. 37%. Dylan? 69. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's already you, happened. You've wanted to say that number numerous times already. I uh, you're, 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 you're so excited for an episode of our podcast coming up very soon here. Uh, I Next will say I give, it, I give it about a 40% chance. Really, uh, it, it seems like a lot has to happen, but really what we need to see is Galaxy and Fresno draw and Orange County win out. And I think that pretty much seals it for Orange County, which is pretty awesome. Um, any other soccer, soccer stuff to talk about before we get on to our random thoughts for the week? Uh, Alan, do you have any other soccer stuff you want to talk about today? Top of the league. Dylan, do you have anything that you're wanting to talk about soccer-wise? Still not in the relegation zone. Perfect. So let's move on to our random thoughts of the episode. Uh, as always, uh, for those of you that may be first-time listeners, we end each episode uh, with just a random thought. It does not have to be soccer-related. It could be any and everything. Dylan usually has some sort of boring book recommendation. Uh, but let's figure out what we got here. Dylan, what book do you want our listeners to read this week? It's rarely, rarely a book. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 mostly a poem. This week is no different. This is a it's a poem by Longfellow, which I think is a little bit fair given the weekend's events and a particular person's scoring. Um, this poem's called "The Wreck of the Hesperus." Uh, have at it. I mean, honestly, just give it a read. Um, I think it was Andy last week who read my recommendation and said. I didn't understand it, but I read it. And that's the kind of attitude we should have because reading is good for you. R-I-F. Right? Do you even know what that means, Dylan? I lost Dylan. I'm choosing not to speak. Reading is fundamental. Come on, man. I um, also went to a public school, right? Yes. I, I just want to make sure you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes my references go way over your head due to age differences. I just want to Are you sure. old? I, I am turning old. I'm going to be 40 in just like less than two I am weeks. turning old. I'm turning old. That is exactly what I meant to say, and I'm going to stay by that. Uh, let's go to Alan for a random thought from Alan. Alan, what is your random thought for the week? Oh, and this one time? My random thought. Camp? <sighs> I told you not to do this, and he did it anyway. Um, my, random, my random thought of the is... Uh, Congratulations to the Ducks for uh, starting three and O to start the season, beating the terribly hated, awful team from Detroit tonight. Uh, so, congrats! A good start. Uh, good to see Dallas Eakins coming up from the AHL team in San Diego uh, to get a, a full-time NHL coaching gig again. He's deserved it. I uh, did amazing stuff down here in San Diego uh, with the hockey here. Uh, so it's good to see that he is continuing his success up with the big club. Uh, so I'm excited to see uh, the journey that is uh, the Anaheim Ducks this season. Perfect. And for my random thought, I'm going to one-up you to a 4 nil start. But this is in the National Football League. My San Francisco 49ers demolished the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. They are now – they've started 4 uh, and oh for the first time since 1990 which is pretty a pretty darn long time i didn't realize even. it had been that long uh at that point i would have been what uh 35 10, 10 or 11 depending on oh. the time of the year come on man um <laughs> yeah like you chatted earlier math is hard and i understand it's hard for you dylan i apologize uh but no this is awesome i, I don't get to watch them that often because i live in southern california i refuse to pay 
you know, hundreds of dollars for NFL Sunday ticket pass or whatever. And I don't really get out to uh, sports bars that often the weekend because I'm always so busy. So the fact that it was a cool Monday night uh, match to watch on my home TV and it was just a demolition of the Cleveland Browns. I know it is the Browns, but it still was a pretty awesome uh, win. 49ers are the only undefeated team in the uh, NFC, which is pretty awesome as well. So, um, yeah, pretty great. Did you uh, see Thomasina Wilson? He was there. I did not see him there. Oh. Uh, you saw I, for, him. I, I forgot to add, if there are any MLS teams looking to fly a fan out, I've been to two MLS games and seen two hat tricks. So any MLS teams out there wanting to like fly the playoffs, if they need a little bit of a boost, hit me up. It's pretty thirsty, Alan. <laughs> We when did we when did we start begging for free trips out to soccer games on this on this podcast? I did not know that was now a thing, um, and I, I don't think Alan can guarantee the hat trick is going to be for the home team. So, well, yeah. remember how sure. you always did your um, your score predictions were based on such a tiny it sample works. size, and you were convinced it that it made a difference. Hey, it's still I don't think like you can what? criticize Alan because this is also a tiny sample size. And My predictions are works. still like in the seventy-five percent success rate. Which, if this was baseball, I would be a Hall of Famer. So, uh, on what metric? That. On hitting. If I hit the ball seventy-five percent of the time, I'd be a Hall of Famer. Not um, out of like ten at bats. Well, whatever. Uh, Alan, <laughs> social media, let our listeners know where they can follow you and hear all you have to say or read all you have to say on social media. A Underwood 48 on the Twitter machines. Dylan. Find me on Reddit uh, slash you slash OCSE underscore Dylan. Or you can find me on Twitter at OCSE underscore Dylan. Perfect. And you can follow my personal Twitter at DJ Ray Samora, uh, or you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast. Look for the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, uh, Reddit, uh, wherever you want to look for information. I don't think we have a Reddit page, but you can find us if you go to the Orange County Reddit page. There's always stuff from us there. Um, go to our website, OCSCpodcast.com, or if you like to type a lot, Orange and Black Soccercast.com. I think we're good to go. I think we're good to end this, wrap this up. Uh, hopefully the next time we speak to you, Orange County has six more points on their record and pretty much in the driver's seat for the number four seed and another home match this season. I know the fans really would love to see that happen. Another opportunity to come out and watch their team play in Irvine. Uh, after October 19th. So for Dylan, for Alan, I am Ray. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. our sponsor Gruffneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.